This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and Jared Mariyama is waiting for me to do something ridiculous. Yes. Not today, Jared. Not today. Not today. Good. We should cut right to it. We've got a nine-hour episode ahead of us here. This is a big one. So we're trying to do something a little bit different um, with the podcast by introducing I guess, topic-based episodes as opposed to just straight interviews. And this one is the, I mean, I guess aside from the like Muppets roundtable, this will be the first more specific topic-based episode. And this one is all about freelance. We have a pretty uh, impressive panel of freelancers for this episode as well. Invisible Creatures, Don Clark... He's here for the first time on the Squared Co. podcast. Yes. We have returning guest, Tommy Perez, the paper wizard. <laughs> and I don't know if we, you want to count him, but Jared is also a full-time freelancer. So he is the most important the conversation yes. as well. Yes, yes absolutely. I, yeah, it was, it was great to have them on the show. I, uh, how did you think it went? Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's difficult with these kind of interviews or uh, episodes because I'm trying so hard not to fanboy out because <laughs> I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. Yes. Um, they're super talented and very, very well known in the design world. So they're, you know, air quotes, design famous. Um, and they, yeah, their their portfolio is super impressive and it's difficult not to, I don't know, get <laughs> get awkward and, yeah. fanboy out when you're talking to these people it's great that they're both very nice guys very laid back yes. very casual so uh, it went it went smoothly i think um that was the first time i've ever talked to don we've we've exchanged emails and we worked on some things together but that was the first time i actually had a conversation with him and he was he was fantastic I, there were so many questions that we didn't get to in this oh uh, my gosh we, we yeah. took a long time like- it is a long episode uh, i think and um <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a few questions that we we didn't get to so hopefully we'll have him back either don by himself yes. or as part of another panel but i hope everyone enjoys what we have here today uh yeah so like i said uh a little bit earlier this is the first uh topic based episode that we're kind of testing out if you guys are into or interested in hearing more of these types of episodes please let us know um, throw us a suggestion on either a guest or a topic that you'd like us to discuss yeah. on a future episode. And yeah, if you liked this one, even we can maybe try a different perspective on freelancing for a future episode. But yeah, I think this this was a lot of fun and I'd like to try this this format a little bit more. Yeah, I'm curious to see how people respond to it, because the other things we've done with panels have been pretty light hearted movie reviews or yeah, uh, like Muppets or like we said. Um, so this yeah. is this is the first serious take um, <laughs> with kind of a panel here. Um, but I think I'm going to start doing this regularly. This is something that we should we started promoting early on in the podcast days. Um, but that is I'm switching gears here. Yeah, you are. So this is 
This is, uh, we're talking about leaving a review and rating on iTunes. We mentioned this last episode. Once we hit 25 reviews, we will do a giveaway. Uh, last I checked, we're at 13, so it's about halfway there. So if you are enjoying this podcast and you haven't done so already, please leave us a review on iTunes um, and also tell a friend. If you enjoy listening to Jared and I talk, I'm sure you can find somebody else who would enjoy us as well. So please spread the word. Let somebody else know about the Squared Co. podcast. Since you are a listener, maybe choose your favorite episode to start them off um, on. So yeah, like I said, we're trying to build this thing and we would really appreciate your help. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't and think we can do it any other way, actually. So <laughs> Yes. So anyways, without further ado, this is our freelance episode with Don Clark and Tommy Perez. Enjoy. Welcome to the Squared Co. podcast. Returning guest, Tommy Perez, and first-time guest, Mr. Don Clark. Hooray. Welcome, gentlemen. What's up? Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. So, uh, if you haven't already listened to Tommy's episode, I'm not going to try and remember what number it was, but it was a few (laughs) months back. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes if you want to get caught up and learn more about Tommy's story. Um, you can do so by listening to his episode. But Don, since this is your first time, Tommy, we're going to ask you to just please don't talk for the first hour. <laughs> Don, Don, his, this is the easiest podcast ever. Yeah, exactly. Just, just uh, watch from afar. Yeah. yeah. So I like it. Actually, in all seriousness, this is a, a new type of episode for us at the Squared Co. Podcast. Um, we are going to be talking all about freelancing. So we have... Three full-time freelancers here today, including my co-host, Jared. Um, so we're going to be talking about freelancing, what it, it means to them, how they go about dealing with clients, getting new work, um, all sorts of stuff around the topic of freelancing full-time. Um, but before we get started, Jared, you had something? Oh, not nothing major. Just before, I thought we should start with some business first and say this is the <laughs> first conversation we've had probably ever, where there are more of us with land speeders than without. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up. I was going to ask Tommy if he had a, la- a no, land speeder. No, I don't. And like, I saw so many pictures on like Instagram. Like I saw all three of yours. Yeah. And then and now I definitely feel left out. I, I'm going to close my, I'm going to close the window. And just yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to need to go on eBay or something right yeah. after this. Yeah. Pick it up right now. Yeah. Although I, I mean, oh, go ahead. There, Toys R Us is having the killer sales. I know that's where I got mine. It was only a hundred bucks, Tommy. Oh dang, that's like it's that's not, like nothing. Not too, no, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. I'll just no, make I one think, out of paper. There I you think go. Jared and I both. <laughs> there you go. Jared and I both spent about one hundred and twenty-five. Right? Is that is that correct? We got the deluxe model. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, <laughs> we went for the uh, automatic windows. Mark yeah. cheaped out and went for the exactly. hundred-dollar one. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, the funny thing opinion. about this is. The funny thing about this is I have three kids and we already have like two power wheels. All right. (laughs) So when we, when I was uh, at Toys R Us with them, I'm like, they're, they're like looking at me like, seriously, like we're getting, and I'm like, this is kind of for dad. You guys can ride it. (laughs) Anyways, it's kind of hilarious. It's in the garage with all the other ones, but I need to commandeer it and bring it back down. Yeah. It it needs to be in your studio for sure. Yeah, totally. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it because 
It is so well designed. It is. And it, I mean, obviously I can kind of fit in it, but not very comfortably. So the practical riding around in it just isn't, uh, doesn't make the most sense. So I'm trying to figure out a way to like put it on as a display piece in the house or something. Right. Have you seen online though, how they've, they've jimmied these things? They've, yes. they've taken the thing and put it on, put it on the, I don't know. What was the, 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 they take the chassis or whatever and put it on the other thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They totally okay. rigged one up. I think it like Google HQ or something. And yeah. I wish I would, yeah, I'm just not that smart to figure out how to do that. Exactly. But yeah. It looked, looked awesome. So I heard they were scooping them all up and there's going to be a race eventually. Oh, so. amazing. That would be yeah. an yeah. amazing race. You should wow. just put like well, a Roomba that's... in it and just have it like vacuum your house. <laughs> but like, that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that's perfect. It's only slightly larger than a Roomba. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know how I'd do around those corners. <laughs> All right. Well, if you are a regular listener to the Squared Co. podcast, you know that I am uh, terrible at segues and transitions. So we're just going to jump straight into this conversation with, uh, <laughs> I mean, kind of, kind of a heavy question here. Oh, jumping so, right into the questions. Okay. And this is, I, I titled this section in air quotes here, the jump. What I'm referring to the jump as going from working for an individual or a company and then jumping into full-time freelance. Uh. When did you decide that it was time to make that jump? Um, and how did you prepare for that? So I'm probably like the freshest one to be like to like uh, freelance like more recently. Um, I'd been like on and off freelance. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time was when my daughter was born and it was basically like, oh, it would be easier for me to work from home and then also take care of her. And so we did that. I did that for about two years and then I went back into, into an agency. Um, but the more recent one now, uh, so I've been freelance now since uh, last October. And that wasn't mm -hmm. like... It wasn't like I was, it was more like a, this is kind of like what I should do. Um, I had just left Facebook um, and I was like, oh shit, like what am I going to do <laughs> now? Um, and so it was kind of like, not a forced like entryway into freelance, but it was like, this is feels right to just to go back to, um, to freelance life kind of like thing. So like, that's what right. so I've been doing that now since October and things have been pretty like, at first it was like pretty dang scary, like to go freelance at the end of, of the year when like. Uh, budgets and like all like, companies are yeah, kind of shutting yeah, down and they're all basically like oh yeah we don't have like we don't have new projects kicking off or whatever got super fortunate though that like there was a project with coke that like took me into the next into this year and so i was like mm -hmm. there was like a sigh of relief there but since then it's been pretty 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 awesome what was the difference between the first time you made the jump and this second time around did you do anything different the first time versus um, you're more recent. Yeah, there was that, there was more mental preparedness and like uh, just like I guess money preparedness as well. Like just like <laughs> like working towards that, like knowing the fact like okay, so we're gonna have uh, Zoe's gonna be born, and it's like we could transition to me going uh, to to freelance, and so like that just was a there was more preparation, more like more mindset and everything, and, and this one was just like more of a okay like. I'm leaving this job now. I need to figure out what I need to do, and and like freelance was like okay, which is kind of like I think they're both good and bad. Um, there's good and bad to both of them. Um, this one felt really good though. I think it was just like jumping in, like right into the deep end, and then like just like hustling to to to, right. to get the ball rolling, kind of thing. Don, you have somewhat of a different story. Yeah. <laughs> I know you came from the music industry, and I don't know actually if you. 
Did you ever work full time for an agency or have a full time like a desk job or a nine to five before you made the jump? Or did you start off as a freelancer full time? No, I did. Although it was a long time ago. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to kind of show my age here. But in <laughs> 2000 is when I started the, uh, yeah, basically freelancing. We started a small company. But before that, we had been hired. Uh, when I say we, my buddy and I who started our first company, uh, his name's Dimitri Argis, and then my brother after that. But um, we had moved from Sacramento to Seattle kind of during the dot-com boom. It was like, you know, Seattle was going to be the new New York. And, it, you know, this is actually before <laughs> Amazon obviously has happened. I mean, now we are kind of like a Silicon Valley um, situation up here. You know, we were all going to retire at 25 and it was just this big hiring <laughs> boom. It was crazy. And so um, I had been doing records, designing records for punk bands and stuff. Um, and then... Uh, Long story short, a friend of a friend uh, worked as an art director at a dot-com, so we moved up, and then we lost those jobs like everyone else uh, a year later, and that was kind of the the, the uh, point in which we were like, hey, let's, we've been talking about this for a long time, it's a dream of ours, let's just start a little studio and, and try to do um, as many album packages as we can. I mean, this is, you know, we were, we were both... Um, Dimitri and I were both in bands and uh, we had a lot of friends that were musicians and um, our label was in Seattle. So we went to the label and said, hey, you know, what if we did, you know, X amount of records for you guys for, you know, cheap? <laughs> and they, they they said yes, which was crazy. We, we did a lot of records for really cheap, but that is really kind of how we started. Um, and that was, yeah, that was like 18 years ago. So um, and then I started Invisible Creature about 10. Uh, let's see. Yeah, gosh, 10 years ago. Wow. Um, so I was just going to say, Don, on that, like, uh, if you can talk a little bit about where were you in life at that point? Yeah. I mean, were, were, did you have kids? Were you married at that point? Uh, were, were you still pretty young and kind of, I can make it by on $20 a month? Totally. Kind of thing? Totally. Okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, very optimistic, early 20s. Uh, I was newly married just about a year. We've been married a year. Um, I had met my wife in Seattle. Um, we moved to Sacramento after we got married, which is where I'm from. And then we decided to move back to Seattle when um, I got this job offer. Yeah, I mean, it was brand new city. Um, I was from the suburbs of Sacramento, a little town called Elk Grove. And so, you know, I didn't, we had toured a lot, but... Um, I had never lived in a big city, so we were, you know, living downtown, specifically Capitol Hill, Seattle. So it was just like, you know, real eye-opening experience and loving the culture and, and everything. And so, yeah, um, we, my wife had a really good job downtown, um, and so I was able to hustle and work nights uh, with Dimitri and my brother doing album packaging, even uh, after hours when we had our our full-time, you know, dot-com jobs and um yeah, it was, you know, it was just grinding. No kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't have kids for four four more years after that. So, yeah, it was, you know, when I think back, it was just a lot of, like, late nights, a lot of fun with, you know, friends that were, we were all early 20s and, you know, nothing could stop us type thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was... That's the life stage I was at. So how, uh, and I could ask you this too, Tommy, later on. It seemed more, Tommy's route seems a little more like logical. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, sure, like, sure. like, let's talk about it and which is the best way to do it. Totally. For totally. you, Don, though, how important was it that you had a wife that had a steady job? Would you have been able to do it had that not been the case? I don't think so. She, she supported us for a long time. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we had... 
you know, I was a courier for DHL for a few years. She had a better job than I did at that time. She was, when we moved to Seattle, the pay was good because it was a, the dot-com boom. And so this mm-hmm. was like the first time that I actually, I was like, you know, the most money I'd ever made at any job. So this was like a big deal for us. Um, but yeah, she, she had a great job before we had kids and we knew that we wanted to have kids and we knew that, you know, we wanted her to hopefully be home with them and, and when they're young. And so that was kind of the, the goal was that I was going to put in all this time and grind for this first 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. and then hopefully try to make, make a, a go of the company and, and su- support the family. So, right. Right. Yeah. So, so Tommy, for you then, uh, you know, you guys, it looks, sounds more like it was like a decision, like, uh, you know, which one should stay home, which one should go to work. Would you have been able to do that had you been the sole, uh, you know, um, salary earner for either for your family or you just been on your own? For the first time or for or for like right now? Uh, whichever one you feel is, is the better story. <laughs> the first time, yeah, like the first time I, I went free, uh, freelance, it was definitely like like having that extra, like that that stable income for sure. And then mm-hmm. whatever, like, like the hustle of like trying to find jobs and all that was like not extra, but it was it it, it was basically like it was an investment in a bigger career down down the path and like mm-hmm. knowing that, but the, but knowing that you have like that that like security and that safety of of the uh, of the of the actual stable job and that's like that income is always going to come in. It takes a lot of the stress off of 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 like me like what I was doing and like what I was working on were like. When I first started, there for sure wasn't like the the pay wasn't like there at all, and so mm-hmm. but it but it was like okay, I have to like I have to do a lot of this, and then like to like to meet um, anywhere, and so like I think if if it was solely just me doing that for sure, like it it would have been really really tight as far as like I mean like we've always lived like within our means for sure, um, and like and like tried to like even though like the, like the jobs are higher paying now it's still with that men- that same mentality of like this could go away at like any second kind of thing you know that's interesting i want to go back a little bit to something that uh don was talking about that that first i don't know what you call it, like pitch to the record label to do a bunch of work for a lesser amount i know it's um it's really important for any creative to make sure that you value your work but at the same time if you don't have a portfolio you're not going to get any work. It's the experience, so, yeah. Like you need experience. There's a, there's a <laughs> exactly. There's a nice balance there. When do you think it's a good idea to do work for a little bit cheaper? Um, yeah. So for that specific case, it was kind of one of those package deals where it's like, hey, what if we did ten album packages per year for X amount? Whereas normally, uh, if we were doing one record, it would have been more. At, at the same time, though, it was our first foray into a new studio. We were young and hungry and, you know, the labels tooth and nail at the time, they had huge, you know, really big bands. Yeah. Um, I, we, you know, our band was on the label. We had a really great relationship with them. We were friends with everyone. So, you know, at the time they actually had an art department. So we were kind of coming in like as a, you know, as a friend saying, hey, dude, what, if, what about, you know, what if we did some, uh, you know, some albums for you guys too? And we actually rented space from them downstairs in their basement. And so to answer your question, though, like now, you know, 18 years in, it's a it's totally a different story. But in terms of pricing, I, I still don't have like a rate. You know, it's, it's just kind of depends on what it is. Am I interested in it? What else am I working on right now? Um, can we afford for me to take this on? 
by no means do we have any kind of like rate that's standard for everyone. I mean, you know, if you look at some of the stuff that we do, it's, you know, it's just fun stuff for friends. Um, and then, you know, stuff that we're able to put in our store that we can sell. So it, I don't have any rules other than the fact, other than, you know, can I, can I afford to, to pull it off right now? Or, yeah. you know, what, it, there's so many different buckets of jobs, you know, like where they land a book project is, you know, a hundred times the work of a commercial project and it pays a fraction of yeah. what commercial jobs do. So, you know, but books are really sexy and they're, when they, when they're, when they're done, it's something that you're so proud of. And it's, you know, all, every designer loves books until they get asked to create one. It's like, <laughs> Oh God, what did, what did I say yes to? Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's, I'll never figure it out. It's always just, you know, whatever kind of comes in, am I interested in it? And, you know, can I, can I pull it off? So Tommy, the, we'll let you answer the same question. Uh, I think it's, it's, it is sort of a controversial question because people kind of jump on this rather quickly and say, don't do work for cheaper and know your rate. And, uh -huh. and, and I think that stuff sounds sort of good. You know, it sounds like smart and, and soundbitey and, and confident and that's great. But I think what Don said seems to be more the case for me, certainly. Would oh, you yeah. find yep. that that's the case for you as well? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. There's, um, it's always like a, like a per case kind of thing. And like some of like, some of the, I mean, like getting paid really, like, like really well on like a project is like awesome. But like, usually, like I found with like the higher paying stuff, it's usually the most restrictive. Uh, and like, a lot of people have to like give the give the go ahead. And like, usually there's like a smaller box to play in versus like the ones that are like, I'm like, this just looks super fun. And like the budget isn't there. But I'm like, dang, like I could have a lot of fun with that usually are the most fulfilling like and like the funnest stuff and like when i share that that stuff that's the stuff that in turn gets me more work and 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 that so like i'm as long as i'm super happy with it and like i i have the money to like i could fit it in and i have the money to like keep it keep it going like i will fit in like those like smaller like the smaller funner ones or even just like a friend reaching out like hey i'm putting together like like a like a um like a not like a blog but like some kind of like uh he's putting together like a magazine kind of thing and it's like i want you to do like a, some some like uh art for like a um an editorial piece and i'm like hell yeah like i want to do that and have like a lot of fun with that and then that in turn you like when i share that like the hope is that like i will get more work from that and like right. kind of been like a lot of the stuff that i usually get like like sh uh shown as reference is stuff that i've done just for fun mm-hmm which yeah. is like actually like really cool. I mean, like that's like where like it's like I, I get to just do me. And so like that's like, hey, we want that. So then I think we're all sort of speaking at this uh, from kind of now uh, when we do have sort of a flow of project, which is which is fantastic. Uh, Don, I'll, I'll ask you this first. You mentioned this a little bit. And Mark brought it back up. But uh, when you were hustling, what were some of the strategies you did? I think we all go through a period where that's what you're doing. You are hustling for the first X amount of years before you get that steady flow of work coming in and you are able to do these things sort of as, as a career in freelance. What were some of the things you did to hustle? You mentioned you went to the record labels. That's, that was an industry you knew very well. Uh, but what else did you do to sort of attract work or, or get stuff when you were just getting started in freelance? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I get that asked a lot by students, you know, what, mm -hmm. what can I do to get the na or my name out there now with social media? It's a whole nother question. But honestly, I and I hate saying this, but the, the client, the bands that we were working with at the time, 
were pretty big. And subsequently we were getting calls from other bands like them. And so, and, and a lot of times bigger bands as well. So, you know, we would do a record for a specific band, that band would tour with some other bands, you know, become friends with them. Then those guys would call us. Mm -hmm. So honestly, it was the music that was doing the, you know, the advertising for us. And it was, it was, it was really like the floodgates had opened because there wasn't a studio at the time uh, that was just solely focusing on albums for mm. bands of that caliber. And so we kind of got like all of the calls, you know, um, for in that era, um, there was, there was starting to crop up a few other studios that were just doing albums. And I think there's probably zero now. It's just a mm -hmm. whole nother ball game now. But, um, so that, yeah, that was it. It was like, if you are, you know, if you're a metal band and you need album packaging, chances are we would, you know, you'd call us if you were a punk band. It was just the, you know, that was kind of what we were doing. And this is before, um, this is even before MySpace. <laughs> so we were doing, <laughs> we were doing album packaging and then we would do like their website, which was like, at that time it was a big deal. Like, you know, there was no social media or MySpace or anything. So it was like, there was the album and then they needed a, an album website. And that's kind of where you'd go to check in on what the band was doing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was for five years straight. It was, it was pretty much that. So you were kind of, I, I don't know, there's like a niche market, yeah. right time, right place. Totally. And, and you guys were kind of straddling the line there of doing almost both. It was uh, kind of the MT, what I always say, it's like the MTV two era, you know, like mm -hmm. where the lot of, a lot of bands like friends were getting played on MTV two. And, and, mm -hmm. and those are the types of bands we were, were we were working with. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Tommy, for you, what about when you were first starting freelance? Now, I know you, you said you had staff jobs and things like that before mm -hmm. and you're working for agencies, but when you were doing freelance, what were some of the early tactics you did to get uh, work? Uh, so like, I was yeah so like it was definitely at like a different time and it was a time when like so like social media was booming and like Instagram was like it was I mean it it is still hot but like uh, basically I would treat Instagram as like and like sharing work as like a job so just mm -hmm. create so basically making like another like aside from the freelance products that I did have I would just make work like like based on the work that I wanted to get so I would just make up stuff like I would take uh, less like cues from the alphabet and just like start making things like paper things that started with like the letters like a b c and kind of thing and then also just doing like the national days like those are super like hot and just like like I, if i didn't know what i wanted to make i'd be like i would look at that calendar online and be like okay <laughs> it's national watermelon day i'm gonna make something that has to do with the watermelon and then like jump on right. that hashtag as well and i think it was just like the consistency of putting stuff out there and like so like i mean like the way that i get work is pretty much through social like like all sharing through social media for the most part um and like it's that's been super like invaluable it's like what has gotten me here um it's been just sharing 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 and like people always ask like how do you get these clients kind of thing and it's like they think it like happened like overnight but like i've been like putting like all this work in way 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 prior to this like sharing mm -hmm. so much like so much stuff like for the longest time and like i think a lot of people get caught up in the the like instant like uh uh, like they want it instant and it's not instant. Mm -hmm. Like they, they just see like the work that's put out there. Like, Oh, like so-and-so is, is like working with them. And like, like how did they get that? And like, they don't see like all the work that has gone to get there kind of thing. So yeah, it's just been like treated like, like 
basically making another job aside from the freelance stuff of like the sharing stuff. Hmm. Do you schedule uh, or make time in your schedule for these these social posts that you're doing that aren't attached to a project, a paying client project? Uh, when I when I was first doing it, um, I tried to schedule like well, like before that, like pre algorithm and stuff like uh that was, it didn't, I love the pre-algorithm, yeah, yeah. those, those days. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter so, as much. So true, though. But, like, now it's, like, yeah, like, now I have to definitely, uh, like, just make content, you know? Um, and it's, like, now if I can't share exactly what I'm working on, like, I'll, I'll pull pieces that I, like, that don't show what the project is and just create, like, new content based around that kind of thing. Um, just to, just mm. to stay within, like, people's, like, so, so I show up in their feed still. Um, and so it's a big, like, it's a totally different mindset of like now with that, um, with the new algorithm is like, how can I create content like fast, but also have it be quality? Cause there is a level of quality, uh, that I want to share. Right. And it's super hard to share a lot and have it be like really good quality. So, um, there's a weird, I haven't found the balance yet for that, but it's trying to, yeah, like, keep that level up of the quality, but also share a lot of shit and get mm-hmm. it there. Yeah. So like, it's like, if anyone has answers to that, <laughs> I definitely. <laughs> yeah. So Don, how do you, uh, so you we're, we're a little bit more similar, I think from the, the time period wise. So we came from a time before social media. Now, obviously <laughs> after the battle of Yavin. Yeah. Uh, so how do you now uh, use social media for, for what you do? Or or do you look at it as a way of getting clients or, or are you more in a different way of getting clients at this point? It's absolutely a tool and it's a great tool. Totally use it. Um, I don't know. I, I always, you know, again, that's another question that students have and it's something that I wrestle with. And like you absolutely, like Tommy does an amazing job of curating and, you know, having his work show up there. And I'm honestly, he, you know, he mentioned it gave him, you know, a huge boost and work. That's amazing. But for us old guys, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> like it's been, it's been a fantastic tool. Um, but I still feel like we have to have a website because I think that art directors, you know, um, our followers, fans, students, they're on, you know, they're on social media, they're following what we're doing. Um, but a lot of times art directors will get our name passed to them and they've actually not seen our stuff yet. So mm-hmm. they'll be like, Hey, just stumbled upon, you know, someone sent me a link, loved your site. You know, I rarely personally rarely hear, I saw you on Instagram. Now mm-hmm. someone may have passed our stuff from Instagram for sure. Uh, that I just, I'm unaware of. But it is something that I totally, you know, it's just when, you know, when I finish a project and it's going to go up online, you know, Instagram, Twitter, and the website, I, it's all three as important yeah, now. Yeah. And I look at mm-hmm. it as like, you know, I've got the same templates that I use for all the imagery and everything is cohesive, but it's yeah, absolutely fundamental that we use that tool. Um, um, all right. Did you have anything else on this mark or should we move, move on? Uh, I have a question. I don't know if it's related at all to anything that we just talked about. Are, are you listening? Are you paying attention? <laughs> Do you like no, no, I am. So I guess the answer to your question is I don't have anything on social media. But oh, okay. Yeah. No, no. I do have a question that I want to ask. Okay. Go ahead. Here we go. Hey, you know what? I'm a podcast professional. I, so I'm, yeah. Remind just, me every now and then. So <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Let's go. So everybody here has uh, like a distinct style. 
And I think this is something that a lot of people, creatives, uh, I don't know if struggles the right word, but they definitely spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, Jared and Tommy definitely, it's funny that I say Tommy has a style because a lot of his stuff is, is paper. The average person might not think that folding paper has a style to it, but you definitely <laughs> do. Um, you work with very, very like saturated colors and you have a, a style to how you fold your paper even. So I, I want to, and Jared, you can answer this too, but I'll start with Tommy. How important is it to have a distinct style when you are doing freelance? Um, do you think that clients come to you because they like your style and they want you to do more of that? Uh, how difficult would it be for you to diversify your work and still get new clients? I think it'd be super difficult for me to diversify my work and, and, and get clients like like where I am now. Because like for the most part, when people come to me, it's they they're sharing like reference from my stuff, and they're like, "We love this," like, and we feel like this would like pair really well with our brand, kind of thing. And so it's mm-hmm. it's always thinking try like like how could I. I think when I create anything, it's I don't want to have it feel overly like an advertising kind of thing or whatever. So it's like always trying to have it feel like it came from me, but like with like a subtle mm-hmm. touch of their product. But I think style for sure is um, people always get caught up like yeah, like like if you have like a, a style, then you're pigeonholing yourself and in, in like this little niche kind of thing. And like I'm definitely in a, like this little niche where it's like m- like my style and it's made out of paper. So it's definitely like I am really really like in this little pigeonhole, (laughs) but people keep like wanting it. And I'm definitely, I mean, like I, I do get afraid. There is always a thought like, like how long is this going to last? Like, like how long are people going to want me to make, you know, weird shit out of paper for them? But, and so like, I mean, like it's good having that thought um, because like, I'm always trying to think, okay, like what could, like, how can I evolve? And like, I, like I want to change. um, And like, cause like, I think if, if I don't change, then I'll get left behind for sure. Um, Mm. But it's like, how do, the thought has always been like, how do I change that still feels natural to me? Um, and like, and right. uh, so haven't fully figured that out yet. Um, it's like, I think for me, it really comes down to like, yeah, like, like concept and ideas uh, first. And like, what is the story that I'm trying to tell? And like the medium I think is second for sure. Um, Cause you could replace pretty much anything I do. And like it, like, like I've gotten the, the, the comments like that. My stuff looks, you know, rendered or vector or whatever, because it, it I mean, like, that's where, like, my my inspiration came from was, like, 3D art. And I just emulated it out of paper because I didn't know any of the 3D programs. And, like, mm-hmm. at first, that totally, like, bummed me out. And, like, totally, I was like, oh, shit, like, that sucks. Like, but now it's, like, like, now I think it's, like, awesome. And, like, to me, it's pretty much, like, as long as the story is there or, like, whatever, the, like, like, the concept that I'm trying to uh, get across, like, resonates with you, then I'm totally cool with whatever the medium is on, like, how it's illustrated or, or like, how it's made. Like, it can be made out of anything. And as long as it resonates with the, the viewer, it, it makes them happy. It makes them whatever, like the emotion that I want them to feel that I'm totally cool with, mm-hmm. with whatever it looks like kind of thing. Jared, this is the first question you get to answer in today's oh, yeah. uh, episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it, it's get a, excited. It's a, t- how do you, go ahead, go ahead. You want to ask it again? Professional podcaster. I'm going to cut you off right here. I'm going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough question. It, it, and again, it's kind of that controversial question. I, and, and I don't mean to, I, I don't want to mince words here. People that think they do a lot of styles well, I think you're wrong. I think you're doing some of them very well. I think a lot of them you're not doing so well. Um, I, I think just the fact that you're saying 
I can do all these styles means that you're copying other styles uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sure. really good at copying other styles. I yeah, think that's sure. what you're saying. Now, I, I don't mean to say that, oh, I'm doing completely 100% original work. That's not what I'm saying. But I think you have to draw or, or create in the way that you create, where you are uh-huh. passionate about. I think we all have sort of a natural tendency towards a certain style and then you sort of fine tune it and then it becomes kind of your thing even though it comes from something else uh, but to say i can do all of these things I, I don't know that that's the best way to sell yourself either i, yeah. I don't think you want to be the cheesecake factory with this 80 page <laughs> menu like you know like you know yeah pad thai is on the menu there but i bet it's not the best one you've <laughs> yeah. had you know sure they can do it um so that's kind of how i look at it i yeah. I, I know that you know, when you're working, when you're starting out, you're you're usually at either a staff job or something where you're kind of asked to do a lot of different things or to match a style. And so we pick that up as like, oh, I'm very useful because I can I can do all these things. And if that is your strength, that's great. I think that's a very valuable trait to have. I think if you're going freelance, what you're looking for is are you bringing sort of a distinct voice that they say, oh, I want to go to this guy for this thing. Not, I want to go to this guy because he can do absolutely everything. I don't think people ever say that. Right. Uh, You know, you say that if you're in a crunch and you have someone on staff and you say, can you quickly just make it look like this? That's great. And if that's your goal, then that's great. I think for me personally, you want to have something like a specialty. What do you do and what do you do well? And of course, it it radiates from there. Uh-huh. You might not be doing your pure style the whole time. It might get watered down or or sort of taken a different direction, but you're, you at least you have the sort of core place to start with. So yeah. I, I think it's not so much that you set out to draw a style and be like, oh, I'm going to draw everything red with four eyes. That's my thing. Like, I don't think it's that calculated. I think you just have to find the mm-hmm. way you draw and that's your style. And then you continue to, to develop that. For, so from that perspective, yes, develop your own personal style, uh, but uh, but don't set out to create a style. I, I, maybe that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that makes sense at all. <laughs> totally, yeah. It's interesting because both of you guys, if you look back at your, your history and your work going back, you can definitely see um, a difference in styles. Uh, is this something that you guys are aware of? I'll, we'll, we'll start back with you, Jared, and we'll go to Tommy again. It's very obvious that you have different styles, but is this something that you're constantly trying to evolve and you're you're aware of? No, absolutely. No, I think I think if you're not looking back and sort of cringe at some of your work, then you're kind (laughs) of not you're not developing. I mean, you know, the the further along you get, you you might cringe a little less. But yeah, I think you should be developing and fine tuning. I'm not doing something crazy different than what I was doing five or 10 years ago. I think Uh it's sort of a refined version of what I started and just keep developing that. But um, I I don't think it's like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to do clay, you know, like it's not like a a dramatic (laughs) difference. So yeah, that's my answer for that. Tommy, do you want to take that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely look back on, on stuff that I've done. And like, I mean like, yeah, at the, the essence of what I'm doing now is there. But it's definitely like the craft is way better. Like like everything is, is better. Like the more you do something like and like you're passionate about it, like the more you're gonna grow um, and like get better at it for sure, for sure. And like uh, I think just like experimenting, like that was that was a time of like experimenting and like um, exploration to figure out what what felt right to me and like what worked. And I think adding color and everything and just re- like refining and this like like exploration and, and experimentation of like what works for me. Yeah, it's like a natural progression for sure. Don, I know 
Jared just said this, but uh, I think you're on the opposite end of this. And you might be the exception to the rule because you do have several styles and you are really good at all of at them. a lot of different <laughs> styles. So uh, are you I mean, calling Don the Cheesecake he, Factory? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love Pad Thai. <laughs> so, I, I mean, is this something that you are aware of as well, that you're trying oh. to develop different styles? Um, or I know that Invisible Creature is multiple people, so maybe... I'm just unaware that you do all one style and your partner does the other style or other styles. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting with us because when we started in 2000, we were really obsessed with uh, album package designers that had gone before us. So Storm Thorgerson and Stefan Sagmeister and Vaughn Oliver, these are these guys that were doing these records that we love. So we were... You could really see, you know, we were our inspirations were on our sleeve back then. I mean, that's the stuff we were we were taking a lot of those ideas and you know spinning them, uh, you know, for other bands, and and that was our inspiration. Um, I look at kind of like my career and life as just chapters, and so that was like that chapter, and it wasn't a conscious decision at all to kind of go, oh, you know what, I'm going to start doing illustration. It was more like moments in my life had kind of changed and I was seeing life differently. So for instance, in 04, I had my first kid. And so I remember, you know, starting to get more into, oh, you know, what did I love as a kid? I love the Muppets and I love Sesame Street. And that's the stuff that Mike, you know, that we're showing our daughter and buying these books and little golden, but you know, all these things that I remember as a kid. And so I'm starting to kind of really get into that. And I'm, uh, you know, getting nostalgic for when I was a kid about those things. Also, that's right around the time that The Incredibles and Monsters, Inc. came out. And I was, you know, like you guys, I had the art of books and it was just drooling over that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so visual development for animation became a huge influence. Um, and those are the, the guys and gals that I was just loving. And so I... At, at that moment, around that time, the gig poster explosion happened. So um, this is around 04, 03. Um, we started doing a lot of gig posters for bands. And so that was allowing us to kind of flex our illustration chops. I mean, we were not so good back then at all. But, I mean, we had drawn as kids. And so we were, like, excited to actually start drawing um, you know, illustrating posters for bands. And it was, there were different rules too. I mean, with an album package, there's a lot of, you know, a lot that kind of goes into that. There's concept and, you know, uh, typography and we've got pages upon pages. Posters were very cool because it was one image. It was big and it could be in your face. You know, um, it could be a simple concept. It could be kind of cheesy and it would, it, you, it, it could be okay. Um, so that was, that honestly is how we started getting the illustration work from the bigger clients. I can I can pinpoint it back to that era. But in regards to the styles, you know, I definitely know my limitations. You know, I cannot do three quarter perspective or <laughs> any kind of any kind of cinematic uh, pose for anything. You know, all of my work is very flat. Um, in fact, when I got the Golden Book job, a lot of the posing from Pixar that they had wanted me to work on was very cinematic. And I was like, guys, are you okay with me really just, <laughs> you know, doing, doing my own style with this. And they were like, you know, do your thing. I mean, especially for the Incredibles, it, obviously that's a certain style in and of itself. When we think of that, that franchise flat is great, but mm -hmm. if it was for, you know, another, another franchise, maybe not so much. So 
that was kind of daunting. Um, and, and that, so I, all that to say, I feel like definitely know my limitations, but I'm also just a lover of so many different styles of art. I always have been. And so, um, we've, I've been doing vector art as long as, you know, <laughs> for a long yeah. time. And so the Photoshop painting and painting and Photoshop, I've only been doing that for probably eight years and, you know, vector work 20 years. So, um, yeah, I just, when I look back, you know, it's like, those are just different eras in my life. I'm not an angry 20 year old anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not working. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not working on metal bands. I'm, I'm a, I'm a father of three and I'm, you know, it's a different, I'm a different person. So I'm just into different things now. So I definitely think that you definitely do have a style for sure. Like that, that, that is very like noticeable for sure. Like, like whenever I go to target and there's a, like, I know that that's an IC card, like, like right there mm -hmm. for sure. Like, oh, cool. like cool. that's for sure. Like, so you, your style is, you know, it's definitely there for sure. I, I would cool. agree. Yeah. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. I would collect it's, them all. For sure. That's fun. That's awesome to hear. I, I, people say that and I know that it's true. It's just, you know, I can't, sometimes I can't see it or also I, you know, I don't like looking at what I did last year. You know, <laughs> yeah. I always, I'm always, I'm always like, I, you know, you guys are probably the same way. Like just on to the next thing. Yep. What can be, what it's gotta be better than the last thing. And as you get older, that gets really hard and it, it doesn't, you know, always exist. So, um, but yeah, no, that's that's cool. I, and like I said, like I definitely know where my limitations are for sure. Yeah, so we've are, we people. just <laughs> mentioned uh, Target and Little Golden Book, so we're we're well into big client territory here. Uh, so let's kind of let's <laughs> head it that way. To Tommy mentioned Coke earlier, so it doesn't get much bigger than that, especially for for the type of work that we're doing. So for me, my experience has always been that uh, you kind of hustle for the smaller jobs early on, and you kind of get into a sort of a, a like a schedule or like a regular flow of projects coming in either from the same clients or the same group of clients. But for me, the big ones, uh, the big clients or the dream clients always sort of come out of the blue. Um, and, and they tend to find me. It's not that I'm mm -hmm. knocking on their door all the time or sending out mailers or anything. It's just randomly. And usually when you're the absolute busiest, you get a yeah. call from a big client and you can't say no. So you, no. you take it. Now, I, I know a lot of people always kind of ask, well, how did you get to work for a target? Or how did you get to work for, you know, do a golden book? Do you do anything, Tommy, to attract a, a, a bigger client? Or, or is it just the same as how you would attract any client? I think it's very, uh, they're all the same. Um, like, I think it's basically for me, it's just putting like, either the work that I've like am doing person like like for a project or just like personal all the work that I put out like personally is the stuff that I would love to get back in um mm -hmm. and I think that's really the case for, uh for the most part like I'm thinking back now on like how like just recently I did a project with Marvel and 20th Century Fox a lot of a lot of stuff that I do is social which I think is uh super fun for me but the way that I got like I got an email from uh from agency and they were like we saw like because i would just create stuff with my daughter where mm -hmm. like basically just like fun little projects that i could include her in um the work and i basically like i love like all the marvel movies and everything and so that uh i think at the time it was it was the um civil war one with uh captain america and and iron man and i had basically like i it's like the dumbest thing but i like i'll always see <laughs> who is like either partnering with that franchise um, and it like whatever kind of food group it is, like if it's Oreos or if it's like Skittles or whatever. And I think in that case for that Captain America mo movie, it was Skittles. So we went out to Target, uh, bought the um, uh, Captain America mask and shield and then the, the um, Iron Man mask as well. 
And then I just basically did like a top down kind of shot of her wearing the mask uh, with like like some like uh, comic-y kind of like a uh, twat or something like like above her uh, lettered in Skittles. And then mm-hmm. like in my uh, uh, Instagram feed, like I had them kind of like fat, uh, like like um, fighting each other. And then I like I just make those, and then I usually like either tag Marvel or 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 like Skittles in those just uh, just for fun. Like it's really there is intention. Like it would be cool to work with them, but it's really mm-hmm. it's really just like a like it feels like it's coming from me, and it's like a cool way to have my daughter like included um, in my work. Mm-hmm. And so they reached out saying like, oh yeah, like like we've seen all these things that you've done, you know, like they thought it was legit too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, so that, that's kind of cool. But they're like, yeah, like, like we've seen these posts that you've done. We want you to like, like that put me on their radar for like when this like uh, Deadpool uh, project came up, they were like, we want to work with you for this uh, social media campaign kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's like doing those like for fun things that are like, that I'm getting like a lot of gratification from, which like, and like it feels like it's coming from me and like stuff that I like the work that I want to do is coming back to me like like actual paid work so right uh so Don then for you uh same question but please uh specifically mention golden book because I'm sure that's what everybody <laughs> is dying <laughs> dying to hear about how you got a golden book but yeah, in general do you target anything towards specific clients or, or dream clients or or just yeah, big clients in general well, I mean, like Tommy, uh, I really, you know, I we we try to work on projects that we want to uh, that we want to do more of, basically, mm-hmm. and that that can be fun passion things. Like you know, Tommy just mentioned, like we do something at the end of the year for our clients as a thank you. Yeah, those are and it's always you know very limited kind of custom we make like 20 to 50 it just depends on how many people we you know clients we worked with and then we photograph it really well and and i you know i can't tell you how many times a client has seen that and wanted Mm -hmm. to do something for themselves so absolutely um it's it it's so funny because the rules now in 2018 they're they're so blurry. It's, you know, what you would say 20 years ago on how to, you know, get more work is completely obliterated now because of social media. And it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you can do something like Tommy did with his daughter. That was like a super fun thing for them that, you know, he's a fan, but also they saw it and they want to work with them. And it's like, it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a great thing. So, there's no hard and fast rule other than, you know, again, this is a question that comes up a lot from students. How do I get noticed? And Mm -hmm. the, my only answer really is to just be good at what you're doing. (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, I I hate, I hate to like trivial, trivialize it, but people will start to notice you if you're doing something cool. And if you're doing something quality, Mm -hmm. we can all, we all know what quality looks like. We might not be able to describe it, but when we see it, we know it. And so you know, like with Tommy's work, and I think with all of our work, you see how much I think how much fun we're having creating these things, and, and it comes out in the work. Yep. And I think people people see that, and they want to be part of that. And so, I hope I hope people see the fun that we put into our our projects, and that you know it, it comes out in and also working with us as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so for the golden book specifically, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, uh, yeah. <laughs> you weren't going to get away from that, but it, yeah. is there a story there? Or I mean, most of the time for me, at least it's just, you get an email out of the blue, but is there, is there more to it than that for you? No, I can, I can tell the story. So, 
I, just to back up, I've been collecting little golden books for. You have a ton ten, behind you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Behind you. So. It's just golden yeah, right there. Yeah. So for like 10 years, uh, you mm-hmm. know, ever since, well, my daughter's 13, but, you know, I we go to estate sales and I have, you know, almost all the classics. And so I'm like a huge fan, obviously, of the illustrators that worked on them back in the day and even the illustrators that work on them now. So not in my ever wildest dreams would I ever think that I would get the call to do one. Absolutely not. That never would even crossed my mind. And then let alone like my favorite movie of all time. So mm-hmm. I'll, the story goes, I got a text from my buddy, Josh Holtzclaw that works. He's a graphic artist at Pixar. And he just, he texted and said, uh, Hey, we're, we're actually working on the Incredibles two book, uh, little golden book in house. But, uh, it really, you know, we realized that uh, we we never did one for the first movie, and I was like, "Yeah, I actually, I know because I've always, <laughs> want, I've always wanted that." Um, and he's like, "Do you know anyone that would want to work on that?" Kind of like a hint, hint type thing. And it yeah. was a, it was a text, and I was like, I was like, I remember exactly when I got it, and I just wrote back, and I just said, "Dude," <laughs> you know, <laughs> like all caps. And he's like, "Okay, well." Um, and I, we talked a little bit. I said, I'm absolutely interested. Very, that's crazy. Um, so he's like, okay, well, I'll pass your name on to Penguin Random House. And then, you know, some time went by and I just kind of like, you know what? Uh, you know, I just didn't get it or what, whatever. I, you know, someone sure. else is doing it. And then like, <laughs> like a month later, I get an email from the art director for, you know, one of the art directors at Random House and yeah, asking if I wanted to do that. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> You know, you guys all know this. There's this like euphoria that you get when you get the job, right? And it's like you just want to like if it's a cool job, you just want to go dance and just, you know, like freak out. And then the then when you actually go to start it, your life just turns to you're just like, "Oh, oh shit." shit. Yep. You know, yeah. <laughs> because because in that moment, it's just it's amazing. You can visualize it how it looks in your head and you're like, "This is going to be amazing. I know this movie better than anyone." blah blah blah. And then and then when you go to, you know, when I go put the stylus on the Cintiq, I'm like, oh, shit. So <laughs> that there was a lot of fear that enveloped, enveloped me before I started this project because, A, I know that I know the legacy of these books. I know this is literally all of our favorite Pixar movies, you know, basically. I mean, Toy Story, obviously, but like, you know, we all I don't know anyone that doesn't like that film. And yeah. so it's going to be heavily scrutinized. I mean, my friends at Pixar that, you know, everyone loves that that film as well so it's just like you know ah you know just stress <laughs> stress yeah. um yeah. but anyways once i like you know six spreads in and i had like the style down and i i understood like what my voice was going to be for the book it was a lot of fun it was mm-hmm. i started just enjoying it but that's how that that's how that project came to be it was again through a friend um and most you know a lot of things happen through people we know now mm-hmm. you know it's just it's your your name gets passed and you know this guy's cool to work with look at his stuff yeah so that's you know word of mouth has been just as important as social media i guess for us so if i can ask and i don't i don't know if you even want to answer this or not but how how did you know josh because i agree i think so much comes from word of mouth uh you can't sort of Put that aside. You can't take that out of the equation ever. Uh, mm. No matter how totally. good or right. terrible totally. your work is, that's always going to be an element. How did you establish that relationship with Josh? Were you guys friends professionally or, or from some other way? No, I mean we were social. We were Twitter friends for so a while, and then, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, he 
Uh, he was working, I believe he could correct me, but uh, he was working for Disney Publishing, doing some, he was doing books for Disney, and he came to a point where actually he wanted to go out on his own as well, and so he asked if we could hop on the phone, he had some questions, hmm. and we talked for a while, kind of hit it off, and um, exchanged numbers, you know, just been talking, and then and then I remember when he got hired at Pixar, it was like a big deal, um, I don't know the full details of how he got that, but... So, and then I remember when he got, when he joined the Incredibles crew and I was like, we were both kind of like, holy shit, you know? So he knows how much I love the franchise. And so it just, it just all, you know, uh, that's how it started. So this brings kind of another point back to social media, because I think that is so key. One, I think Mm -hmm. it's great that Josh would, would do that, would jump on the phone and sort of just, I I think that takes uh, courage to to sort of say, I don't know what I'm doing or I need help, uh, which I think so many of us feel like. Well, that's just going to make me look weak or stupid or, or something, and, you know, and, and don't do it. So I think there's a lot to be said for people who can just be proactive like that. Absolutely. Uh, but it also shows me how, like with social media and everything, we're very, you're very sort of public, whether that's just a public business persona or something. But um, you kind of have to take care of that <laughs> personality or that reputation mm-hmm. that if that if at, at some point you had pissed Josh off or you know sure. something like that <laughs> that could have ended that relationship and without you ever knowing that that lost you the little golden book opportunity sure. yeah sure uh, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that because I see a lot of younger people kind of just going for broke on social media <laughs> what would you say to that stuff, it, yeah. yeah do you think that that's the new era or do you think it still falls back on like old school kind of like just be professional I, I yeah I'll go first I mean I feel like absolutely be professional I'm you know and we all have a public face too uh, on the social media mm-hmm. we have company we have companies that we're representing mm-hmm. um, so I've always looked at social media that way I I did transition from our main Twitter account to my pers- to a personal one just so I could make Star Wars jokes. So I, <laughs> I did that a few years ago because it was kind of getting like, you know, I would launch a product or something and then like make a dad joke and it was getting, so I moved everything over there, you know, and also the absolute worst place to air any kind of disagreement it is on social media. And I've, <laughs> so I've, I've always, I've always just said that we, we, we would, I would never do that. Um, so yeah, it's anything that I would, want to say publicly is what I say on, on social media. And mm-hmm. there are ethic there are definitely ethics to it. You know, yeah. I will I will maybe randomly make a smidge of a political comment on my personal <laughs> Twitter, you know. Right, right. But but it's in basically, you know, in a something that I think probably ninety eight percent of people uh agree with. So so yeah. it's like right. you know, I, anyways, um and it'll always relate back to some cheesy design thing or something. But mm-hmm. anyways, um no, I I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, you you definitely there's there's ethics and uh, to life and and you know you, you want to also portray that in on social media. So. Right. So Tommy, for you, uh, do you uh, do you take all of this into consideration before you post anything, or do you feel it's more like this is me and here you go? No, no yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I definitely take it all into consideration too. I mean, like I think it just like boils down to like don't be a dick, you know, like uh, like. You want people to work with you for sure, you know, like like be that person that you want people like to come back to kind of thing. But there it's interesting cuz there are like some like Instagram personalities that like they definitely share, you know, like who they are and that's like it's kind of expected uh of them like and 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 and, and like they should like they're pretty like raw and open and like that's like 
kind of the work that they get is is that um for sure but i think yeah it's definitely you know don't be a dick and like i think one of the biggest things is like yeah like are are you okay with like saying this and it and it like going viral like because i mean like you could go on a rant like like tearing this company down or whatever or or like 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 whatever and like people could easily screenshot that and then it's like you could think oh like like i could delete it kind of thing like like in the moment like you're super emotional and then you share it Mm -hmm. and then like people could screenshot that shit and it could and it lives on forever kind of thing so like yeah it's not the instagram is forever pretty much like so if you're okay with it being (laughs) out there then like i'm like okay like i could share that and like for the most part like my stuff is super lighthearted, like and like i don't think yeah it's pretty there is that like oh yeah like am i cool with this like going viral if it did and like if i am then you know then then, that uh then i'll share it and i think i don't post on like twitter like so i'm not really like I'm not really there so like i'm not really afraid of my of my words like getting there like <laughs> yeah like, let loose there so definitely yeah yeah and you, i always just i always think like how is this even how is it beneficial or fruitful to air any of those crazy <laughs> yeah. you know any of your like we might think something we all think something you know there's like horrific things happening in the world right now but I always think like, how is it beneficial to just type it? And mm-hmm. you know, it's not re- we're not really um, changing anything by just typing it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I, I always just like, mi- I'm I'm pretty mindful of like, what is the benefit of what I'm saying? Is this a dumb joke from Dawn again? Okay, then mm-hmm. that's fine. It's it's for a la- <laughs> right. it's for a laugh. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, but yeah, can we add that segment to the show? <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Yes, you can. Yeah. Dumb dad jokes. <laughs> well, well, I always think it's easy to avoid the the the, the controversial stuff. I, I think most people, if you're at all professional, understand that maybe you shouldn't you shouldn't attack things. I, I've sure. gotten to the point now where I'm I'm even wary of over criticizing a piece of work or a, a movie or something because I'm like totally. I always feel like because I've worked on big projects and we know how big projects go and decisions are made by committee and you feel kind of bad attacking these yeah. people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, actually, I, for yeah. me, I always feel like you kind of want to step back and just say, boy, this wasn't my favorite thing. Right. <laughs> like know? the logo, like you have no idea what, like, like what it took to get there kind of thing. And like, I totally mm-hmm. hate the, like, the, like, I'm going to step in and this is how I would design this logo. And it's like, yeah, that's how you would design that logo without any feedback or like, like, (laughs) or anyone telling you what to do. Like you have no idea, like all, like all the steps and hurdles that it took to get there. Like Mm -hmm. the, like the first like round could have been like amazing, but it's like somebody like there's like, you're obviously you're a commercial artist and and, like, you're basically doing work for somebody else, like kind of thing um, in the long run. And it's like, you're just basically like, yeah, like, it like you have no idea what the backstory is behind that logo and it's like yeah it doesn't make sense i've been i've been i've been mindful of just even film critique because (laughs) you know we we are you know we go experience a film and then we walk out we have reaction to it but we also don't take into consideration the upwards of a thousand people or whatever that work on this for three years a lot of people you know we know people in in films or in you know film development and we know that they can work on something that they're really proud of and then it all comes together and maybe we don't love how it came together that doesn't diminish like all the amazing work that went into Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um so anyways yeah it's funny i have been uh, mindful of that like you yeah. know, watch you know you look at watch infinity war and stay through the credits and see how many people work exactly. on that movie oh yeah it's insane it's bonkers yeah, yeah as it dismiss it in five seconds or exactly. 140 characters seems kind of 
jerky exactly. to me. I totally. mean, so I my tactic lately has tried to been to just say what I liked, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you just say like, <laughs> oh, I saw cereals. the <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, <laughs> I saw the latest DC movie and there certainly were a lot of <laughs> a lot Artists of special effects. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. So another thing I, I do want to talk, because we, we were talking about that and how um, you, you kind of, you won't know the damage you've done all the time. It's not like you get into a fight with someone and now you know that you're not going to work for that person. Someone could just be sort of <laughs> silently observing and being like, huh. Don looks difficult, you know, like that. And, and I honestly believe like, that's all it takes. That's all that it takes for them to be like, yep, not going to work with that guy. Uh-huh. Um, but sort of the flip side to that in a little bit with that, how much do you think luck plays into what you're doing? Because I know like when you're, when you're at a staff job, you kind of take for granted that the work is obviously going to come. You're going to get a paycheck. You're going to get at this. There tends to be more <laughs> mystical elements when you're doing freelance. Like it just sure. feels like, oh, I didn't expect this thing to come out of the blue. And so you feel like, well, what did I do? You know, is there any rhyme or reason? But uh, I'll let you go ahead with this one, Don. How, how much do you think luck plays in a, in a freelancer's job? Okay. So that the luck question, that's really difficult. You know, that's hard because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I, it, it might be luck. I also think that there's something to be said about the power of just will. And when I say that, I don't mean it's some imaginary force. I mean, I'm a God-fearing man, so I believe in a greater power. But in terms of will, I mean, I'm showing you the world what I like to work on. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm putting, you know, I'm putting out there on my sleeve the stuff that I love. Here's, you know, our inspirations. I talk about those like, and here's the work that comes out of those inspirations. And I'd like to do more of that, please. <laughs> you know, so um, when I say the power of will, that's kind of what I mean. And so for hopefully, you know, 18 years, I've been like, you know, we've been working on projects that we put everything into that are influenced by so many different things in life, you know, whether it's my kids or through something through pop culture or whatever, it could be anything, but luck, absolutely stuff is just, you know, it'll just come out of thin air and it's like, wow, I can't believe that happened. But I can a lot of times trace back if someone says I liked this, you know, I saw this and now we'd like you to do this. I can trace back that one thing to another thing, then Mm -hmm. another thing, then another thing. And it's like, oh, you know, it came from that thing five years ago that I was so passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I do believe in being (laughs) in the right place at the right time, though. And I maybe that fits into the luck category because, you know, we happened to get our start at the inception of the internet. You know, this was like, this is when design was taking off on the internet. And we were right there. And so I see that as like, wow, yeah, I was in this space at that time. And in this, you know, so it's a hard one. Mm -hmm. Tommy, do you have anything to say on luck? That that is definitely, (laughs) yeah. Like, I mean, like I agree with pretty much everything. Um, It's definitely, definitely a lot of like the, the grind and putting it out there. uh, uh, What you put out there is what you're going to get back kind of thing. Um, But it's like, it's kind of funny because like I kind of have to think like what I am doing is super lucky because like I'm like doing the like silliest thing ever. And it's like, how did like how the hell did I get like put in this position where I'm making weird shit out of paper and like like I'm getting paid to do it. So like it's like that it, it is luck, but it's also like I've been doing it for a long ass time, too. So mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely. Uh, it's just a weird. Yeah, it's super weird. I think um, for me, a lot of times it's. I am terrible at predicting what will sell. 
Uh, so, so getting a job is one thing because you feel like, oh, I'm attracting a certain kind of client. But to predict that something is going to sell, I, I have no idea. And so to me, that is a mystery. And to yeah. me, that is where I feel, I think, lucky. Is if something uh, takes off, you go, I, I don't know that I did anything different than I did on these other ones. There's something else at play uh, here. And I, and I don't even know how to tap into it because if you try to do it again, you don't get the same results necessary. It's just like, maybe it's just more right time, right place, you sure. know, kind of thing. But uh, I think to me, that's where the, the luck part of it um, comes in. But since we're heading in that direction, Mark, do you want to ask the yeah. question about merchandise? Yeah, I think merchandise? that's a great um, segue into creating your own products and your own merchandise um, and even gallery work if you're doing that sort of thing too. Um, but I guess we'll start with um, Don here. How and when do you make time for products? And are these products an extension of your brand? Or do you, do you kind of think of this as a separate project? Uh, no, absolutely an extension of the brand, at least in my head. And so even when mm-hmm. we launched our new website, I wanted everything integrated into one as opposed to here's our client work, and then here's our store. So if you go to our main page now, it's our stuff that's in our store is interspersed with the big client stuff. And I wanted it to feel like it was this, uh, it's even why we came up with the name. I didn't, we, you know, I wanted an ambiguous name so that we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be pigeonholed into something. Uh, and I wanted there to be just freedom and to do, to create anything we wanted to really. So What's kind of cool now, I'm now within the last you know five ten years, is we're able to work on projects that we also for for clients that we also can sell in our store, and that's kind of the win win situation uh-huh. because you know we're getting paid from the client, and then I can either you know get X amount for free to sell, or I get them at wholesale prices, and so that's really the sweet spot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge risk taker, so I don't like spending a ton of money on something that I'm just putting in the store um, because a lot of times it just doesn't work. Like, like Jared said, like I think I could think that this is the coolest thing because I want it, but then you put it up online and five people want it. You know, so <laughs> so yeah, it's doing books and doing posters for artists and um, things like that are great because we can we can sell them as well, and we're also getting compensated from clients. Mm-hmm. Tommy, I know. Um, <laughs> I make no products uh, at all. I tried. You, you've I done, tried. Um, yeah. And then they uh, failed miserably. So I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, like, I haven't, yeah, like, I haven't, I've, I've been in a gallery or two, a uh, show or two. And, like, what I, I mean, like, it's hard to translate. I think it, it's been hard for me to translate, like, what I do now, like, now to what it could be that I could sell, kind of thing. Like, and, like, mm-hmm. how to sell it. I think if it is like a punch out of like if it is some kind of like make your own kind of uh kind of piece there's a lot mm-hmm. there's a huge investment like on in time like on like well on my side but also on like the like whoever purchases it like if it does it is it a poster and does it look cool as like as like a print like just by itself but if they have to punch it out and make it like there's like a big investment in like in there like as far as like making it um and I, and I don't know where the balance is on like what I what I could make and what I should make 
Because what I have made in the past has not been, has not sold at all. (laughs) Tommy, do you feel that there is a pressure to, I mean, nothing, there's nothing that says you have to do merchandise first, but do you see it as that something that you you should get into? Or or how do you feel about merchandise in general, other than us bugging you about it every time you come on the show? (laughs) (laughs) I would love to have that, like, that other means of, like, like, income and also just having, like, I think it's just, like, having, like, my, like, having the like the actual tangible real life appreciation of my work versus mm-hmm. just like something that like somebody sees this like digitally it's weird because like all the stuff that i make is real and tangible then i photograph it and it just becomes digital um and i think there's like a there's always like a really really like an amazing surprise delight like like feeling when somebody like when i actually shoot with someone um like like a client and they actually see the actual pieces i think there's there it's they're able to pick it up and touch it and like actually interact with it in that in, in that way. And it's like a totally different, like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. Like, I love your work, like, you know, like visually, like, like digital, but like seeing it and being able to touch it and interact with it is like, just like that next level that I don't, I'm not sure how to get there and like, have it be like how to produce the like things and have it be like, like not take a crazy ass risk, um, mm-hmm. like for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, but it's like, yeah, like, like how, like I, I would love to, to get that, like get the stuff that I make into people's hands, like more, you know, like actually mm-hmm. tangibly in their hands kind of thing. Yeah. But I have huh. no idea. Like a, a book would be awesome. I don't yeah. know how I would like, like do that feasibly on my own. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. <laughs> Kickstarter. Everything's Kickstarter now, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. Really <laughs> go find so me. <laughs> for Don, for you, is there anything that you can think of a, a staff job or a position anywhere that would take you away from what you're currently doing? Uh, the whole grass is always greener mentality. <laughs> I mean, I, I no. I mean, I, I've, that's, you know, my ultimate, you know, people ask, you know, as you guys as well, probably like, what do you guys, you know, what do you want to do in 10 years? My mm-hmm. question, my answer is always like, just more of the same. I feel super blessed and lucky to be doing this. Um, do I fantasize about a normal job? Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, you know, I would love to be able to just like turn off my brain and, you know, just clock out. Although I know that I would do that for a week and I would, I'd hate it. Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm a, I'm a type of guy that likes to work independently. And I know that that's, you know, that's why I probably don't work for someone. I just, I, <laughs> I prefer the freedom. And, you know, if I want to come in, early and take the rest of the day off and, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't want to feel like I have to be here at certain times, but on the flip side, there's times where I have to be here when I don't want to because of the fact that I, you know, own my own thing. So it is a double-edged sword. I think for any independent creative, I think we all can agree. Like it's, it can be extremely lonely. It can be, you know, (laughs) Even if you have, you know, even if you've got an employee or an intern or two, it can still be lonely and, you know, um, stressful. And we deal with like different struggles, I think, than a lot of other uh, professionals. And so um, that's one of the reasons I sing the praises of Twitter and Instagram from (laughs) in the the art world. It's made us a lot closer. And I think it's been a great tool just to get to know people through social media. Um, And it's been a great outlet um, for sure. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll let you answer that too, Tommy, in a second. I just want to jump on that uh, for Don. So then why would you say for someone, why shouldn't they go into freelance? If you're, I mean, we can all say the benefits of it, but if you said, is there something you can sort of narrow down and say, look, if this is what you like, 
uh, you probably shouldn't take this route. <laughs> it's, I think it, yeah, totally. I think it's two two things. It's or maybe it's one, but personality is a huge thing. If your personality, if you can't handle, you know, um, uh, hard decisions being made by other people about your work, because we're we're investing so much of ourselves into these pieces, right? I mean, it's commercial art, but we are as just the nature of what we do, we're pouring ourselves into these things. Mm So um, Mm -hmm. we have to be okay with someone who's paying us money, say they don't like that, even though we love it. And so Mm -hmm. you have to kind of kill your darling sometimes. So there's that also a lot of people and I don't slight them at all because this is, this would be nice, but just having a steady paycheck is very important to (laughs) people (laughs) including myself, but I've been chasing checks for 20 years now. So I, you know, I've been, (laughs) I check the PO box, you know, just like all of us do and and hope that the check has arrived. But also, I don't know. I also see that as part of the thrill in a weird way. I I like the idea that I cranked on this thing that someone paid me handsomely to do. I put everything into it. I turned it in and I got a paycheck. And it was, uh, you know, I don't work for someone else. You know, I'm not like punching, you know, whatever. I don't work for a bigger agency. That feels really good. But I don't it's just, it's a blurry thing. And I think it just depends on your personality. And I think mm-hmm. not, not a slight in any way, but I think some people just aren't cut out for mm-hmm. it because it is, it can be brutal. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So then Tommy, for you, could you be lured away from freelance to, yeah. to do a cushy job? Yeah. Ju- uh, just to piggyback on like what Don was saying, the, sure, uh, like sure. it's like, th- there's that feeling of like, uh, like checking your email in the morning and, and like that, like, oh my gosh, I just got an email from so-and-so like, who am I going to get like an email like next kind of thing. And like, that's like the thrill of like not chasing the dragon kind of thing. But, but like that kind of is awesome. Like, like when these people are, are, are seeking you out for like, for you to, to do you, it's like, like, who is this next email going to come from? Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. wake up and like, oh, my gosh, like, I got an email from so-and-so. Boom. That, that's like one of the greatest feelings, I think. It's like, like, you keep wanting that, like, like to level up, level up, level up even more. Um, so I think that's totally, like, an amazing feeling and like a like an awesome part of, like, freelance. Like, just like, that would be like one of, like, the, the like, perks of it for sure. Sure. That's, yeah, that's uh, uh, just one more piggyback off Tommy. I mean, that is definitely, <laughs> that's the... <laughs> That's the uh, that's the uh, the pinnacle, right? That's like uh, where we feel the most high. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, on the flip side, <laughs> when you if don't that's get not, any. yeah, <laughs> when that's when that's not happening, yeah. you that's when you want to start. Oh, you get super low. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a bipolar. You have to be somewhat bipolar. To, <laughs> I'm, to I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got. I've got a laundry list of issues, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, totally. And, you know, and I again, I. I think it takes a unique type of person to, to be able to wade in these waters. It's just, Mm -hmm. and I, I am by no means saying I have figured it out. I know that I actually never will. And that's (laughs) kind of part of, I mean, my wife and I have been, we always talk about this and you know, it's like we, you know, I fantasize about just kind of like normality. And, and, and when I mean normality, I just mean like steady paychecks and like, you know, just, but you know, she's always like said, we have our own normal and it's mm-hmm. kind of true. Like we have, we, we could have a, a great month and then the next month there's no, you know, not a, no paycheck coming in. So, mm-hmm. and that's our normal and we have to understand that. And I've been, you know, blessed with my, with my job. And so 
we just ride that wave and that's kind of what we do. And it's, 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 it's thrilling. So I think it's interesting too, that I've found, uh, like you were saying about sort of the loneliness of it is that these goals become very personal and and private without you kind of realizing it. So you have like you'll like you were saying, Tommy. You'll get that email, and that's kind of only big to you. Like, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. sometimes you can even tell a spouse yeah. or partner yeah. or friend, and they're like, "That's great." Why well, I, I don't know what that is, you know? Yeah, and then totally. you're totally. trying to explain totally. why it's a big deal, and you know, yeah, like then, like it could totally mean like nothing, but that like like that could be like the thing that you've been like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" And like like yeah, it's that like it's that high kind of thing that, that mm-hmm. like you know, and then like you always want you want more kind of thing. So it's like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this kind of thing. Um, Yeah, exactly. I think that's for me been the satisfying part about working for Disney because Disney is so uh, accessible. Uh, You know, everybody knows Disney. So I mean, like I said, I could say I took out the garbage for Disney and people would be very interested (laughs) in what I was doing and how to, what did the building look like? And then eventually, can you get me tickets to the park? Uh, (laughs) Inevitably goes that direction. For sure. Yeah. But I I think you're absolutely right. So, uh, but back to the other question for you, Tommy, would you, uh, consider going back to an agency or anything or do you think you you want to stay freelance as long as you can mm, there's definitely like yeah like there, there's always like there has been the thought of like how long will i stay freelance kind of um and like what would take me away i have a really really like huge interest in like motion graphics even though i don't i mean i, I do stop motion but i don't do like your, your traditional like uh mm-hmm. like animation animation but i love like there's like motion studios that i really do love and i think it's it comes down to like the stories that they like it's all the storytelling that they're doing and i think there would if i were to go anywhere um there was one like before i went freelance where i i, I wanted to go um outside of facebook um it was uh buck i don't know if you guys have yeah. heard of them oh, yeah, they create great. like yep. amazing they're amazing storytellers like buck uh giant ant um like those kind of ones i just don't i try I, I think it's hard for me to even though like I love and admire them, it's I'm trying. I've been trying to figure out because I've looked at like job posting to see if like like where I, I could fit in, and it's like finding out like I don't know where I would fit in like at those places. Like I'm not I'm not a 3D like animator. Like I'm not like I don't know. I'm I'm not like a traditional animator, but I think I have pretty good ideas, and I'm like a pretty good storyteller and like like conceptual, and so it's like. The thought is how how would I fit into these companies? So mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. what's been on my mind really. But I do love freelancing, and so I think I mean like I would ride like like I definitely want to like ride this one out uh, like as long as I can for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna start wrapping it up here. I have like forty final questions though. So lightning <laughs> <laughs> um, round. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tommy, we'll start with you then. What, what is the stressful part for you now? Like, I think we all get used to certain elements that sound stressful at the get-go or that you think are going to be the problem. W- what is that factor for you at this stage of your career? What kind of makes you crazy? Crazy? Uh, the business side makes me super crazy. Like, like <laughs> that's what, that's definitely, like, a huge factor in, like, freelancing. Like, as far as, like, the shift between doing the business and then, oh yeah, now I need to be creative right now. Cause like you could have a morning of meetings and it's like, okay, now I got to be creative. And you're like, like, I don't want to be creative at all now. And it's like, yeah, ah. yeah. so like, um, that drives me crazy. Also just like, I mean, like I'm always like, I mean like the initial starting a project still scares the shit out of me. Like it's like looking at like a, either like a blank page in the sketchbook or like the blank, like, uh, uh, document and illustrator it's like what can i do 
and it's like it doesn't matter what I do it's going to be shitty like whatever like there's always <laughs> that fear and then I don't know like it, it takes a little bit to get over that and then like once I once I'm like once the sketch it and like the idea is there I'm like this is going to be awesome and like and like that ball starts rolling um but it's like I think it's a lot of that initial like okay I could do anything but it's going to suck Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the easiest part to to me everything is the concept because once you have the concept then it's like everything just falls into place you're just making things or you know filling in color and things like that what about for you don is there still is there something that uh stresses you out about what you do there's a lot yeah i mean (laughs) you know uh (laughs) and you know the older i get to i feel like it, it gets harder like i'm not like i was so much i think just quicker when I was younger, actually, on, on delivering projects, I mean, it seems like I'm getting slower, which is weird. But um, uh, I think, like, there's the there's kind of the classic thing that I think a lot of older, well, guys that have been doing it a while that have kids, you know, like, you get into this because you love drawing, you uh, grind it out in your 20s, you build this thing, and then you have these other you 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 have these humans that you need to take care of mm-hmm. so like you know and so your priorities shift mm-hmm. and so um i think just from like a from that standpoint just as a as a dad like the stressful thing is like uh well there's a there's a a bunch of work stress but just in terms of like work life balance stuff oh, it's sure. like yeah you know i'm 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 still excited, obviously, about all the stuff that we do here. But, you know, what's really important are the kids. And so trying to make sure that they take priority. You know, I've seen friends that don't have kids turn out all this awesome work. And I'm like, well, I don't have that kind of disposable time. So, you know, just seeing, you know, I think that's just a natural part of like, oh, you know, that's cool. But I, you know, it's like it it's really kind of starts to play with your mind in terms of like what's a priority. And I also have a studio on the property. So like it's, it's cool. And that's mm-hmm. on purpose because I want them to be involved. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think just, you know, trying to manage that is, is different. And, you know, so certain jobs will come in that maybe aren't like the sexiest thing in the world, <laughs> but I, but I've got three, you know, yeah, we've yeah. got a, a mortgage yeah. and three kids and, and you're never going to see it on our site. I'm never going to talk about <laughs> it, but like, you know, yeah. um, so that's one thing I think too, like I, the older I get, the more I hate sketching. Like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like, I would rather just give you a shitty thumbnail and then say, it's going to be amazing. You know what I mean? Like I have some, I have some friends, I don't know how you guys work, but like they just spend all their time on their sketch and it's flawless. And then they basically are tracing it, you know, mm-hmm. like, and so they can, they can zone out during the final. I, I can't. I like all of my freedom in the final. So like I, I kind of just give kind of a rough sketch and say, Hey, you've seen our stuff. It'll look better. <laughs> um, but I, I guess that's one thing is I'm kind of just like, um, getting lazier with sketching. <laughs> that, <laughs> how, that's how, yeah. Go ahead, Tommy. Go ahead. No. Yeah. Yeah. That That's definitely like, cause I'm not, I suck at like sketching and like drawing, but like I could visually get like, I mean, I'm good enough that I can get my idea across and it's like, sure. Cause like my sketches basically it's going to translate to like a whole, this real, like weird, weird world kind of thing. So it's like, right. Right. There, it, that, at the beginning there was like a, there was like a learning curve as far as like how to present my work like to people because like, they're like, Oh, here's a sketch, but it's going to look like this, you know, sure. kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now there is like, oh yeah, like like look at my work. You know, trust that it, it's gonna look. You know, like it'll look legit. Like 
don't uh don't worry like like this is a super flat you know pencil sketch but it, it's gonna be like super dimensional and like full color right um so definitely exactly. agree with that so don yeah. have you had much pushback on that i'm the exact same way and and i've been lucky that it hasn't really been an, an issue because i always feel like like you said it's a waste of t- i feel like it's a waste of time to do this elaborate sketch when it's gonna i could almost do it in illustrator just as fast right and give right. you something final but i feel a little yeah. guilty as if that's like <laughs> the art part of the of the process even though you know doing it digitally is, is just as much a creative process it feels like I know a lot of from fellow artists who said like, don't you sketch? Aren't you constantly sketching in your sketchbook? And I'm kind of like, eh, not really. Yeah. I mean, I did, but now <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm not at the park drawing, you know, like I don't do that anymore. So, but I, uh, I will, I will say, so the, let's see, what I try to do is I'll give a decent sketch and then I'll give a big like written blurb about what I'm thinking. And that, that usually suffices. Mm -hmm. They've seen our stuff. We've been doing it long enough. They know that it's going to look, but I will say this has gotten me into trouble uh, many times actually. So I will present a sketch that's much looser than what we normally do. And which is why I don't really show our sketches on our site. Um, (laughs) And it will get presented to someone that is the boss that didn't hire us. And so they will see the stuff and they'll be like, well, what is the, you know? And so I've turned in, so I've got, you know, somehow by the grace of God, I'll get an approval on something from this person that has never seen our stuff. Mm -hmm. Then when I go to turn in final work, they will be like, they'll scratch their head and go like, this doesn't look anything like what was presented to us. And the people that hired us get that. But like the big boss, doesn't know that. So <laughs> I, I've been, I've gotten in trouble for sure a few times where, you know, Oh, I thought it was going to be black and white hand drawn. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 that's, like, that's like just like a brain dump yeah. of like what my idea is going to be. <laughs> you obviously didn't read the you know novel I sent with it. So, um, which, you know, of course they're not going to read the novel. They don't, they have better things to do. Mm-hmm, but, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I will say that like my t- because my sketches aren't tight, I've gotten with newer clients specifically, if they're kind of like a, not a creative director, but like a big marketing person seeing our stuff, they won't be able to put the two to two and two together. How was it with the golden book? Did you have to do some pretty tight sketching for those? So funny thing you mentioned that on that project, I was pretty tight on the sketches. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time on that because I knew who was looking at this. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Disney publishing had to, you know, approve stuff and it was cool. They sent me some sketches of other golden books they've done. And a lot of them were really loose. And she actually said, Hey, with the nature of golden books, the sketches are pretty loose. So, Mm. you know, so anyways, but I knew just because of the nature of the project, I did get the posing down like, I don't always do that with sketches. I don't like mm-hmm. nail the pose like, yeah. or whatever. Um, but I did for this book and I probably will put those up eventually actually. The oh, sketches. that'd be great to see. Yeah. yeah. I did a, yeah. a Looney Tunes thing once and that was the only, the, the last time where I did everything so tight because the notes right. I was getting back early on was like, well, I think his ears are a little longer than that. You know, I'm like, Oh right. my gosh, this is the stuff you're looking at at the sketch right. stage. Right. <laughs> totally. I'm in trouble. So uh, I, you know, I would, do the sketch, trace over it, clean it up, like all that yeah. old school stuff that I just don't do anymore. Yeah, that's. I'm glad to hear you say that, Don. Yeah, thank, no, thank I'm, I'm the same boat. Same boat. <laughs> uh, can I just real quick? This is kind of a funny story. I and I think they would laugh at it too. I did get some notes. I got some notes on the book um, mm-hmm. that basically said that I had 
uh, gotten some things wrong in the film, but then I actually, I, I actually corrected Correct. them and they, and they were like, Oh, you're right. So anyways, I thought that was funny. Cause it was like Disney coming with their changes. And I was like, actually, <laughs> syndrome, you know, syndromes, uh, laser is blue, not red, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And they're like, Oh, okay. So anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Those are some of the best good, comments yeah. to get. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Totally. What, uh, what about you, Tommy? What kind of comments do you normally get? I'd imagine a lot of your stuff, we kind of talked about this on your episode, but a lot of your stuff has to be, I imagine, so tight that they can't go back and make too many changes after a certain point. What are your comments usually like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, there is a, always that, like, initial sketch, and, like, that's, like, the like getting the idea out there kind of thing, and, like, uh, then it's u- usually taken to, like, a, a tighter, like, flat vector kind of comp just to get, like, the color and all that stuff figured out, um, and, like, this is how it's kind of going to look. Um, that's usually where like I live, you know, for the most part of like, this is where we're, this is where we could, you know, like change anything that we need to change. Cause like if I, once I make this and I, and I'm going to go to change it, it's going to like, I'll have to reshoot stuff and like remake stuff. So it's going to cost you more kind of thing. So like we'll spend uh, quite a bit of time in that digital, uh, area. Um, just like mm-hmm. tweaking color and like size. And it's like, that's usually when I go to shoot uh, or when I go to make stuff, it's like, like all, it's a lot of pre-planning and designing way before I make so that like, there's no surprises or anything. Um, comment wise, usually it's like, it's been pretty, pretty good knock on wood where it's, where it's been like, can we, like, can we change a, like color? Like, and like color is relatively easy to change. Um, unless it's like going from like, uh, like drastically like changing as long as it's in like the same color value, then it's like, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. It's usually like a lot of it, like the changes that I do and like post, like with the animations, it's like it's timing or it hasn't been too, too, too bad. So like I've been super, super lucky with, with, with that. That's good. I, I can't imagine <laughs> for you, good. like, like having to, yeah, change I I too just, much. I was just thinking that, that like, oh my gosh, like if you want it, so I. <laughs> I can imagine if someone wants something, let's see, you know, or you, you do something in black and then they want it pink or you know <laughs> that I mean? would be super funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where I'm like, uh, why didn't we like, we totally had the time to change this here. Like <laughs> right. this is, it's, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's like, okay, I have to remake that for sure. And then I'll have to reshoot that if you really want that. <laughs> like I so can't you guys, add co- the color out of nowhere. You both have had like very high profile clients and things like that. Um, so the, Question that you probably always get asked is, do you have like a dream job, whether that's specific to a company or to, you know, do you have something out there that you're kind of always shooting for, even though if it's not something you're applying to, but just in the back of your head, you're thinking it'd be great to do this. Tommy, you want to start with that? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like if we just want like a dream client, like, like obviously, like, I mean, like I'd, I'd love to work for Disney. So, I mean, uh, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. <laughs> that you guys all, can you get him tickets to the park? It's Pixar fest. Come on. <laughs> Give yeah. him that. Um, I'm trying to think of far, like, like what I would love to do is more like, like more experience kind of stuff where like, not, I guess like, more it'd be like like gallery kind of things but more of like a like where people can actually experience like the work like at a larger scale like that like i love having like interaction and that would be like the most interaction that i can get if i could like design a space because like like i did like a like a some window displays but like people can't really interact with that 
Like I would love for people to like interact with like, like there's a lot of these really cool, like these social media things where like they're like, they're creating these interactive rooms and like, they're super like social, like, like Instagrammable and stuff like that. Like the museum of ice cream kind of thing. And I think it'd be like pretty crazy and awesome to have like these worlds of like, if, if it is paper or like whatever, just like these like really large, like experience, I think it's more of like an experience kind of like thing. Um, hmm. And it's taking things to like a larger scale would be awesome for me. Have you, do you have like ideas specifically for that? Have you worked these things out kind of in your head? Uh, whether, you no, know, like no concrete thing. Um, yeah. I, it would probably have like, I mean, like the go-to is always like making weird shit, like, like weird food. Um, everyone loves <laughs> food out of paper. Um, so that would be awesome. But like no concrete thing. So like, I'm definitely like open to like, just like ideas and stuff for sure. Interesting. I think you should talk to Mark and work something <laughs> out. <laughs> awesome. All right. What, what about you, Don? Do you have a, a dream job that's out there? Um, yeah, let's see. I, yeah, I don't want to sound like an a-hole at all. But I, <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel super, I feel super lucky to have, I mean, the little, the golden book was up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was, um, in terms of just like uh, something different, uh, a permanent installation would be cool. You huh. know, like uh, some kind of uh, we've done murals, but uh, a, a sculpture yeah. would be would be fun. And I don't, I have you know, we have friends that do it and kind of live in that world. And I don't, but I just don't know a ton about it. But um, that that would be fun. You have those what? really cool like the you're like wooden monsters. Like you have like really like large scale versions so, of those. So we did okay. Yeah, you're right. We did um, a, a show in Shanghai for Stack and Scare. Mm-hmm. They they there was a, a mall that kind of like it, the theme was Stack and Scare. It was super cool. And they built these like fiberglass 16 foot versions of our of our wow. toys, which is awesome, but they destroyed them. <laughs> so, uh, I trust me. I tried, I tried to have them shipped from Shanghai here. It was like Oof. through the, it was through the roof. on yeah. just trying to get, so anyways, but they, yeah, those are, and they, those are history. And they recorded it and then sent it to <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Don, look. Yeah. How cool. Wow, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so what about that though? Uh, why that? Is it the permanence of a structure or something that, that is appealing to you about that? Or like, why? I think so. That? And I, you know, I love public art, you know, and I, the just something that is three-dimensional i collect toys so obviously you guys do too it's just like it's a it's a giant version of a toy basically that's you know that's that's kind of really it i Mm -hmm. mean toys are you know a manifestation of you know flat art that we get to put on our shelves and our desks that kind of live with you know it's there's there's you could go into so many descriptions on why we collect toys but something large scale like that would be so fun. Do you like working dimensionally? Because I personally cannot stand it. No, no, I don't. In fact, whoa, in fact, whoa. the toys. The to- yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, I, I just don't know. You know, I don't know the the software. I mean, my when we're doing toys like uh, vinyl toys, we we haven't done a lot of them, but we've. I'll just sketch, you know, turnarounds, the front, the back, the side, and then let a sculptor kind of take it from there. But um, even I, that yeah. is a challenge. I know. Doing, yeah, doing totally, turns. Totally. I think I think my brain works probably the opposite of Tommy's is how can I flatten this? Totally. How can I turn <laughs> totally. this and make every character <laughs> looking straight? <laughs> on? Yep. I'm the same way. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I have a co-host. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> He Poor has Mark. graciously let me ramble on and on here, but I, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're getting close on time. Uh, yeah, I do have one last thing before we wrap up. 
Uh, and this is going back to the beginning of the conversation. So uh, I, we kind of got into how you guys made the jump, how you prepared for that. But for our listeners, if there's anybody that is interested in making the jump to full-time freelance, do you guys have maybe two or three items on a checklist that you would recommend them checking off before making the jump? I will start. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Jared. Um, so just a, just a few, if you have any that come to mind that you definitely need to be aware of before you make the jump or prepared for. For it. me, I think, and this is one of those things where once you're on the other side, it kind of doesn't make sense. So it might not make sense, but I would say, Go into freelance because you absolutely have to go into freelance for no other reason than you have so much client work and it's making you so much more money than your day job that it is losing you money to keep your day job. I'd say only at that point uh, for most people. Now, we're not talking about most of the time kids right out of college aren't considering freelance necessarily right off the bat. So that could be a little harder for that. But I would say like, you take the time to build up all those clients. You should have all your clients that you would have as a full-time freelancer before you leave to go for freelance. I would not recommend that someone take a break. Uh, like I did it out of necessity. I was let go of a job. I had no choice but to go freelance. And I was fortunate that it it took off. But there were some very lean years and some very, very bad jobs that I had to take because mm -hmm. uh, because I, uh, had, I just had to. I had to have money coming in. So I say, you know, there's... One of the things we didn't talk about was sort of misconceptions about freelance. And I think one of those things is that you're taking jobs that you like, that you're doing all these great projects and you're having a blast and you're working in your pajamas and you work whenever you want to work. <laughs> and it's not the case. Uh, you do have some of those things. But I'd say I put in a full day of regular work and then I go do the fun stuff at wow. night or in the extra hours. There's no difference there between having an eight hour job and then coming home at night and doing your gallery shows or, or extra projects or things like that. So I would don't think that eight hour job is uh, a hassle or a pain. That's your paycheck. That's that's a that's a huge benefit to over the situation I think that I'm in. Um, I think that would be my big advice is it's only if you absolutely have to. Who do you want to throw it to next? <laughs> uh, let's go with Tommy and we'll end. We'll round it out with Don. The thing that you would have to do. Uh like just to like to, to piggyback on what um, Jared was saying, though, I think lots of piggyback. Yeah, no, no, it's good, it's good. I think I think there is a lot of there is a lot of people like like out of college thinking that I, like I'm just gonna freelance. Like it's almost like that's like the dream now is to just go right into freelance. Like I don't know what it is. Like it, it was like a different uh, it's like like mindset or like whatever. But it's like I think. There's a, there is a lot where like people are just like, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do like the nine to five job. Like I want to go mm. right into freelancing kind of thing. And Terrible I don't, idea. And I have no idea. Yeah. Right. And I have no <laughs> idea. Like, like if that's a good, like, I, I don't think it's a good thing, but like, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think if I would recommend like, do you just to ask a question, like would, would, would you guys recommend like everyone, like all creatives or whatever, like you have to freelance like at least one time in your life kind of thing. Just like change this up a little bit. You mean as opposed to having a staff like like no you would like job? like like everyone should ex like everyone should experience like freelancing going on your own one time like like at least once to see if it fits like like at all because like there could be people like who would be like no like it would never work for me but you'd, like you have no idea you know kind of thing without like trying it kind of thing. 
Yeah, if you can do it without quitting a good position to find out that you hate freelance, then yes. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I don't know. That's tough. It's not like waiting tables where I think everyone should wait tables once in their lives so you know how awful that job is. (laughs) Sure, sure. Give them a break. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. It's so scary and risky that it is definitely not for everybody. Because the way that I think it... Go ahead. It really depends. It goes off of something Don said earlier. It really depends on your personality. Yeah. And if you need, if you don't know yourself, I don't think making that big of a jump or commitment is going to give you the answer. I think you have to know yourself beforehand and just know if your personality can handle freelance because there's a lot that that goes into it. So I think personally for me, like I wouldn't have known that I liked freelance without trying it. And like I wouldn't have known that I, like I've done like, almost like every like I guess like not every type of like creative job but like I mean like I've like I've worked in-house and I've worked at a design agency and I've worked at like in like traditional advertising agencies and like I was like I don't know if I would like this unless I you know like so like I'm gonna try it and like when I went to the ad like the traditional advertising I was like I de- like I don't like this kind of thing like and like <laughs> I like for me it was like I and like I think it kind of got me to the point where like I wouldn't have known like if freelancing was for me without doing all those jobs kind of thing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's no, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. A couple of things. I think phase of life is a huge, uh, part of it. So, you know, what phase of life are you in? Um, can't, you know, can your lifestyle afford it? You can, you can, you pull it sure. off. I mean, it's so much easier, uh, like uh, from time to time, I will people will email the question and I'll say, "Hey, why don't we hop on the phone? It's actually just easier to just like chat for twenty minutes instead of me answering you back." So I do that from time to time. And you know, the other day I talked to a guy that had like two kids and he's looking to like go out on his own. And so his his questions are so much more different than like, "Hey, I'm just out of college. Yeah. What should I do?" So there's that. Tommy, you were saying people more than ever want to go into freelance. Like straight I think. out, yeah. Yeah, I think honestly the the like the Instagram has made mm-hmm. that you know there's there's more kind of like rock star designers on Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. where like it's a it's a sexier thing where it's like oh look I can kind of, this guy's doing it I can kind of go do my own stuff yeah. um, so I think that definitely plays into it also you know two more things like there's this kind of like you know, falsehood that like you're your own boss. The truth of the matter is, is I have like 10 <laughs> bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have like 10 bosses at the same exact time yeah. and they want the, whatever, you know, five, whatever. but, um, so there's that and you, that can drive a certain person stir crazy. And the second thing is we were talking about, you know, just the euphoria and the highs of getting those great jobs. But I will say that the lows are absolutely just as low. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to, uh, which I have not perfected, but just r- knowing that you're going to ride a roller coaster yeah. and it's going to be like, you know, Oh, this thing just came in and I feel great. I just launched this thing on Instagram and it feels really cool. But all that stuff, it just, it's gone. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's fleeting. It, uh-huh. It's, it's really cool. It's, it looks great on the portfolio. It's hopefully going to get you more work, but the, the uh, euphoria that you get from it is fleeting. And so just understanding that, um, it's, it's fun, but it's also a job just like a lot of jobs. And so it's, it's not as sexy as maybe it's, it looks on, you know, Instagram or something. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, there's a huge value to structure and, you know, there's not a lot of structure with being a freelancer. (laughs) You know, there's, uh, you know, um, it's, it's honestly like chaos at times. So, um, but again, I think, 
certain personalities like myself, I kind of thrive on that not knowing a little bit. I just, mm-hmm. I like, I like the, um, I love interacting with clients. I love making friends with clients. I just, I love everything about it. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I, that's one of the reasons, um, that I, I love doing it. Don, are you super scheduled? I know you have, you have kids and obviously a lot going on. Do you, are you able to adhere to a, a tight schedule or do you just work wherever you can work and family wherever you can family? I try to be pretty, I try to be pretty, um, uh, regular. Yeah. I mean, there's, if, if there's some crazy book deadline, then yeah, I'm going to have to work some weekends, but I, I actually, I've been doing this the last couple of years, but I get up at six 30 coffee, breakfast, come down to work. And then I do like a mid morning workout. So I actually, mm-hmm. which is, which has been huge. I mean, I'm 43 now and I didn't do this until like two years ago, but like at 10 30, I go to the gym, I work out for an hour and that is huge. And that like allows me to just have more energy for the entire rest of the day. Yeah. And, um, so that, that is something that's new in my life and I didn't take exercising serious at all until then. And it's been, uh, you know, I think the older you get, you realize that like, it's just, you know, you have to do something. So, yeah. um, and then I, yeah, I try to end by five thirty six. So yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. What about you, Tommy? Yeah. Are you super structured or do you go with the flow kind of thing? Uh, I try to be structured, but I think it's usually more go with the flow. Um, and yeah. it's like usually like foregoing a lot of sleep to like, to fit in the, uh, the family and, and t- time and everything. I mean, like it's twelve thirty right now, but and like we're all hanging out still. Um, but, <laughs> well, for me, it's twelve thirty, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely. I think. I mean, like that. I think it's like the hardest thing to figure out is that work life balance, and like, and like, I think like freelancing for sure definitely makes it even like harder. Like, if you like live like exactly where you work, kind of thing, it's like it's easier to shift off like when you're w- when you go to work and like it's like okay like I, I could turn that work off and then like home is like a, a totally different mindset but if like you're working within like right in your home it's like there that like that off switch is super hard to find kind of thing you yeah, know totally um, Absolutely. fully fully agree and I mean you also kind of get into the trap too where it's like well if I work where I live I mean I could I could take that other job but you know because <laughs> yeah. I I can come down after the kids are asleep, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. So, and that, that actually is not a good thing to do. It's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I don't have kids, so I could keep asking questions there forever, but I know you guys <laughs> yeah. have stuff you probably have to do. So Mark, you want to yes. wrap us up? Yeah. I, I think we could, this group, we could definitely go oh, on. We for could. I, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, Tommy, this is already your second time back to yeah, the show, uh, but I think we're going to have to have you for a third time. And Don, if you're open to it, we will re-invite you I'd love to. to the show again. Anytime. Um, and then I'd love to be like, on a, a Star Wars yes. specific episode <laughs> uh, too. So. Oh, we, yes. yeah. I'm sure there will be no shortage of Star okay. Wars Sweet. episodes. We've already had... Uh, Three. I tried to get him for solo, you but did. he you was uh, he was, was busy. busy and I, you know? Yeah, I I would I would happily reschedule, and I, I could talk. <laughs> I could actually talk about Star Wars probably longer than design. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He chose Weird Al Yankovic over us, Mark, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but before we we uh, sign off here, I do want to say on air, thank you so much to both of you guys for coming on. Absolutely. Um, I know that. I can't speak for Jared, but I'm a big fan of both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Jared's like, eh, so, man, isn't man. 
And I know you guys are busy, so I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hang out with us and give us your knowledge. Um, I hope our listeners got something out of it. We, If you aren't already following Tommy and Don, we will leave links to how you can get in touch with them and check out their work in our show notes. Don, he does have a golden book that we talked about a little bit in this episode for The Incredibles coming out. Um, you can pre-order it. Yeah, but actually, I will say that we should get ours a month early, which means if you order them from us, you'll get them a month early. And don't you get like a, like a little treat from you as well? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always yeah. throw in printed yeah. <laughs> printed freebie stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before I dig myself a bigger or deeper grave here, I'm going to sign off. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, that is for today. Oh, man. Boy, even, did you fall asleep? Can't even. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's uh let's say bye, Jared. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yep. Thank you. See you later. Thank you, awesome. guys. It's a freelance life for us. It's a freelance life for us. Steady paychecks. Yeah, get real. Chips for dinner. That's a meal. It's a freelance life.